This episode is brought to you by Schmoozy, the new social media app that I'm loving, and I know you will too. You can listen to all the full episodes of this podcast and discuss and engage with me on anything that me and my guests have talked about on the show. And that's only a fraction of what you can do on Schmoozy. Come over and let's expand on the conversations we're having on this show. Find me as Jewish Latin Princess on Schmoozy, and you can even join one of my forums on building wealth. Download Schmoozy today. That's S-H-M-U-Z-Y Schmoozy. This episode is brought to you by Odeo Academy. Learn to build the career of your dreams in the fun, fulfilling, and lucrative industry of digital marketing without drowning in student loan debt, compromising your values, or working for peanuts. Learn to build your digital marketing career at odeoacademy.com forward slash JLP and claim $100 off your enrollment entering the code JLP at checkout. Odeo is O-D-E-O. Check it out at odeoacademy.com forward slash JLP and get $100 off with the code JLP. Jewish Latin Princess episode 153, Meira Spivak, author of Make Pesach in Five Days. You're listening to Jewish Latin Princess podcast by Yael. Every week, get your dose of inspiration from the world's most uniquely talented Jewish women and from Yael herself. Seeking profound and practical ways to live a joyful, richer Jewish life? Welcome to Jewish Latin Princess podcast. And now, Jewish lifestyle expert and bilingual blogger at jewishlatinprincess.com, your host, Yael. It's the final countdown to Pesach, and my guest today says, you can relax, because you really can do this in five days. I'm Yael Trush, and you're listening to Jewish Latin Princess. Welcome to the show. Meira Spivak is here with us. She's the author of the new book, Make Pesach in Five Days. I have to admit, I approached this conversation with a little bit of skepticism. I mean, I'm not in a frenzy or stressed or anything, but I have been dealing with Pesach already for a couple of weeks. I order matzah, wine, meat, chicken, clothing for the children. I even made a Costco order, or Amazon orders. It's all here in the house. So I mean, when I hear five days, I'm like, what? How does one do that? But I was very happily surprised, number one, because it sounds like I do Pesach the Spivak way, not knowing that I did. And more than that, number two, because I think she's right. She has an approach that we all need to hear and learn about. Hearing her speak reminded me of that well-known known saying by the Lubavitcher Rebbe that dust is not chametz and the children are not the Korban Pesach, the Paschal sacrifice, which I actually mentioned during the interview, although I don't think I got it quite right when I was talking to Meira, but that's how the quote goes. Anyways, before we dive in, let's go into the iTunes section. I forgot to do that last week. And I also, before that, I would like to apologize for the sound last week. I did not realize, I feel terrible, I did not realize that my mic was not plugged properly and I didn't catch it until the episode had aired. That's what's like, it's so frustrating. So my apologies that the sound on my end was not the best, but it happens. Definitely not ideal. It happens. I felt so sad because it was such a good interview and I hope you were still able to enjoy it. It was with Hani Aaron Troy, um, really an enjoyable interview. I will say that you are the best audience. You're so kind and so generous. 
I put out a questionnaire last Wednesday night, I believe, and I received an overwhelming amount of responses. I was so moved. I'm literally blown away by your generosity. It sounds like you really want me to move forward with this new podcast project and you gave me such great feedback. So coffee's on the way for many of you. So check your inbox. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, then head over to jewishlatinprincess.com forward slash vote to get the inside scoop and help me choose a name for a new podcast. Yes, there is a new podcast in the works and you will hear all about it at jewishlatinprincess.com forward slash vote. I will leave the form open until this Friday. So I give you a chance to enter your responses and I'll be happy to send you a Starbucks gift card for filling it out. So head over to jewishlatinprincess.com forward slash vote. So here's what a reviewer had to say. Her name is great for self-promotion, cute name. And she says, must listen. If you like all things Jewish, money and business, you'll love Yael and her fantastic guests. Definitely worth a listen. Well, thank you. Great for self-promotion. Thank you very much. Send me an email or a DM on Instagram and let me know that it was you who left the review and I will send you a link for us to connect for a 20-minute chat on the phone. I'll do that right away. A little bit more about Meira Spivak. She's the director of Oregon's NCSY as well as a facilitator of the SIT method of creativity and innovation, teaching individuals and corporations to solve strategic problems. Hmm. Sounds like she might have used that in her uh, approach in the book. So let's do it. Let's talk to Meira Spivak. Spivak, welcome. How are you? Great. Thank you. Thanks so much for being here. I'm very excited. I'm very excited, especially because time is of the essence here. We're recording this and it's like, what, 12 days before Pesach? And you are coming here to share with us about your latest book, How to Make Pesach in five days. Now, I will level with you and tell you that I am approaching this conversation as a complete skeptic, a curious one, but skeptic nonetheless, because as you well know, Pesach is a time of the year that will challenge even the most organized amongst the righteous women in the Jewish nation. So let's talk about it. Pesach in five days. How does one do that? <laughs> okay. I mean, well, I could get into all the details and you tell me as detail, you know, how detailed you want me to get, but I just want to explain the premise is that, and I explain this all the time. And the comparison I make is to taking your kids or my kids, at least uh, for shots to go into the doctor. Okay. So like, they know what's coming, the birthday's coming up. They start getting nervous. They're like, wait, are we getting them? Are we getting them? And then like mm-hmm. for weeks before they're like starting to get nervous. And then it's like the day of, and they're literally crying. I'm like dragging them in. I'm holding them down. They get the shot. Like it was like two seconds, you know, and they're like, oh, right. It was like nothing. And I really feel like that's our attitude towards Pesach prep. Like so many of us are just stressing for days in advance. Like it's going to be stressful. It's going to be stressful. I know it's going to be hard. So instead of just like stressing for a certain amount of time, which I've chosen to be five days, people are stressing for like months and weeks ahead. So that's really what the book is about is that, and I say that the book, it's funny. I wanted to call it only stress for five days, but apparently no one would buy it. So (laughs) How do I make Pesach in five days? But we really do. I make Pesach in five days to the point that my kids, like, it'll be like this week, okay? If Pesach this year, five days start on Monday because of Shabbos, Haggadol, it's a little bit different. So Monday, my kids on Sunday will be, mommy, mommy, please, please go clean. And I'm like, 
I will not stress for more than five days. And you know, it's the system, this is how the system works. Okay. There's mm-hmm. five days of actual cleaning and cooking. That is the only time I'm going to do the actual Pesach cleaning. Cause when most of us discuss Pesach cleaning, we're really thinking about spring cleaning. And if you want to spring clean, that's fine. And we could spring clean and I spring clean too. It's just not Pesach cleaning. So what I do is I differentiate that. And I say up until those five days, that's when you spring clean. That's when you go shopping for your clothing. That's when you do all the extra things with no pressure. Mm. Like it doesn't happen today. It'll happen next week. If I organize the kids drawers, I could do it today. If not, and it's no pressure. Let's, let's just take the pressure and let's just not feel it for a mm-hmm. whole month. And that's really how it is. So I'm happy to go through the whole method or whatever. You know, yeah, how yeah, it- yeah. Let's dive in. Let's get tactical here. I like this. So let's get tactical. What are we going to be doing during those five days? Okay. So I divide the, the five days into cooking, really cleaning and cooking. And it just depends on how much you like to do. Like I hate cleaning. So my cleaning is going to be as short as possible. I usually clean in two days and cook in three days. But again, my rooms have already been organized before. So when I go into a bedroom and I'm like, oh, I have to clean the room. And by the way, this is the motion I teach everybody. Okay. You go in, you open the drawer, you scan the room, you look at the room. You're like, okay, I've already organized this. I know how long it should take. You kind of set a timer. You tell your, you don't schmooze with your sister. You hang up the phone, right? It's like, there's none of this. And you, you just go, you go into the drawer, you open the drawer, you lift the clothing out of the drawer, you look down, you see there's no hummus and you put it back and you close it. Like there is no folding. There is no organizing. We are literally looking for Cheerios. That's it. We are not, I don't care if your kids, there is no time. We have five days. Okay. You will not fold one piece of clothing. You take it out, look, put it down and you move on. Okay. This is what we're doing in every room. And by the time, and for me, you know, and so I'm doing that. I'm, I'm literally cleaning out, cleaning out, right? The couch is always a fun experience, right? Yeah. Um, you know, depending on what your garage looks like, that might also be a whole project in itself. And, but people have choices, right? Like we don't have to empty out every cabinet in our kitchen, right? We don't have to do that. We could just say, I'll do some this year, or I'll put up plastic shelves in the corner. Like we make ourselves crazy, but it doesn't have to be. And that's what I'm trying to do is really tell people like, it doesn't have to be like this crazy thing, right? I don't have to like, I used to, that's what I used to do. I used to clean every single cabinet, like as if my Pesach vase needs its own cabinet, you know? And I was like taking everything out. Now I got smart. You know what I do? What? I open my dishwasher. I take my clean dishes. I put them in the dishwasher. Okay. So I don't want to schlep the stuff out. I literally stack my dishwasher. <laughs> like it's packed. And then I'm going, that's literally how I'm taking my stuff out. It's all going. And then whatever else doesn't, I put it in the garage and I get it out. But I don't have to do every cabinet. I don't have to do every shelf, right? So I'm doing cleaning for about two days. Yeah. By the end of the second day, I'm ready to like go to clean. But this is the thing that I tell everyone that is super important. Okay. At the end of that night, before I'm going to cook, Mm -hmm. sit down and do something that most people don't do. Let's hear it. I make a cooking list by day. Mm -hmm. I do it. So this year I'm going to, let's say cook on, I would cook on Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday it lists everything. So I work backwards and the way I do it is anything that could be frozen. We start first and anything that's fresh goes later. Right. Yeah. So my first day of the cooking, I'm doing the kugels and the desserts. I'm going to literally list potato kugel. How many potato kugels, this onion kugel, um, cookies, brownies, every single thing. And then I check it off. And at the end of the day, if I miss something or I was too tired, I'm going to put it on the next day's list. Mm-hmm. Or it might even go to the hall of my list, but it has to be there because otherwise we'll never, we're always going to, Things are going to be floating. Like when you write it down, it's out of your brain. It's on a paper. Right. It's out of your head, right? So we're literally writing that down. 
And that's what I'm doing. And I, can I share something with you that I'm, I love yes. talking about? This is like my favorite, this fresh thing. And this, I feel like really can help women because so many of us are like, everything has to be fresh. Okay. I don't know. You know, there's people that are like, my kids don't eat frozen challah. Like you made that. Okay. There's yeah, that. You created that. <laughs> created that. But I want to tell you something that people don't know. Okay. I've spoken to caterers before and I asked one of them, when do you like to your Pesach? Like, I know some of them used to do cruises. Okay. And yeah. I was like, when do you do that prep? And he was like, we actually, after Hanukkah, Hanukkah, they kosher the kitchen. They make the food for the Pesach. This is the, this is the cruise you're paying how much money for. Mm-hmm. Everything is made deep frozen and it's taken out for the cruise. And I was like, wow, that's interesting. Cause I can't even, you know, like you go to a Hanukkah party and you're like, I need my latkes to be fresh. You think if you go to a professional Hanukkah party, they're making the latke for you. They're not. Okay. They're making it days before and they're heating it up. Right. But for us in our mind, it's like, everything has to be fresh. fresh. It doesn't. Salads can be made 40. I've done this. I used to be a caterer. I cook for Shabbatones, put some paper towels in your vegetables, they're fine. They could even last 48 hours wow. when I make my dressing. So I'm doing the first day is the kugels yeah. and the desserts. The next day is the meats. And I cook for the entire yonder at one time. So it's the meats, the chickens, the fish, and I'm slicing it and I'm freezing it like that. The, even the fish? I didn't know. I, I never so do. I don't freeze gefilte fish, but I will for sure freeze salmon. Really? Okay. Yeah. See, I'm learning yes. something. You could too. freeze potatoes raw, right? You buy, they sell frozen potatoes. We would never freeze potatoes, right? They sell frozen <laughs> potatoes in the supermarket. We're like, that's gross. <laughs> like, that's how they sell them. And we, we've come up with a standard that is like better than them, right? It's crazy. That's how they sell potatoes. Potatoes come frozen. That's how the caterers buy them. It's, it's crazy, but we do this to ourselves and we're making ourselves crazy. So yeah, I'm making literally all that stuff. And then I'm, I will even go on at that point to like the roasted vegetables, the things I want, the, you know, all that stuff I want fresh. I have certain soups. If I want to freeze them, I'll make them however. And then this is the best part. Come Seder morning. It's the third day of the cooking. It's really yeah. a half day. The only thing I'm making on this day is the salads, the fresh salads, the dressings for their entire yantiv, which mm-hmm. means. If I'm making a coleslaw dressing, it'll say coleslaw meal one, coleslaw meal eight, mm. and it all goes in the fridge. So in the middle day, I just take it out, put it in the cabbage. It's done. We're ready. Mm. Okay, so I'm making the dressings for the whole time. I'm making the stuff for the Seder plate. I'm checking the lettuce, which is like a whole project. Yeah. And around 12 or 1 o'clock, I am done. And somewhere between 2 and 4, my entire family takes a nap. Mm-hmm. It, what we've done now is taken the stress. We've moved it about eight hours earlier. Okay. And we walk into Yantiv. Like benches. Like benches. Mm-hmm. The way it's supposed to be. Right. <laughs> that really works. Listen, it's not for everybody. And I always tell people like some people are like, but I don't work this hours. And I work this, you know, I don't have help. My kids can't take my, I don't have, my husband can't help my like this. Okay. So just, you could adapt the method, but there's right. like, anything in here, like really things that could help people. The point is is not that you use my method. The point is, is that we stop stressing for weeks before that maybe it's going to be stressful later. So it begs the question, now you've mastered the system and your, your family's being raised in this healthier way, <laughs> mentally, physically, and spiritually, right? Um, what, what, why, why did you come up? Why did you feel the need to write this book? Was this praised on personal experience? Was there something growing up at home that triggered it? Or what was going on that you said, I must help women with this? 
Okay. So it's funny you mentioned the home because I think at every single one of these podcasts, I'm always mentioning my mother who does start Hanukkah. Okay. She does. She's already turned over. She has whatever. Okay. So she's super organized. When I say starting Hanukkah, I mean, spring cleaning. Yeah. Spring cleaning. Right. But this is her. And she was like, this, I can't believe you're writing a book like this. This is just not our, (laughs) (laughs) okay. Like you're going to be okay. But the really what triggered this and it, it really, what, what the impetus was to write it down is two different things. The trigger was my full-time job is I work for NCSY and I'm always making Shabbatones. I used to be a caterer. Mm-hmm. So now I, I cater for free and I, we were catering a Shabbaton and one year our Shabbaton fell out after Purim. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Hmm, this is not going to work. I have to start cleaning for Pesach. And I said, you know, what would happen? What were the benefits of starting later cleaning Pesach cleaning? And you know what? I went for it. I did it. And I was like, wow, I did this in two weeks. And then it became a week. And then, mm-hmm. so we made this whole system, but then I always had, and I've been giving it as a class for many years. Last year, I ended up sharing it on one of these, on a Facebook group before Pesach. And it had almost 3000 views. And I was like, people really, especially last year during COVID yeah, people were like all scrambling. Like everybody was stuck making Pesach, whether or not they wanted to or not. Right. It could be, right. you were a young couple. It could be, you were older and you were used to going to their kids. Like people were scrambling. So I ended up after Pesach this year, I'm like, I'm just going to write this down into a book. This is just, this has to be, I, that's literally what I did. I took my class. I put in the book. The book also has really simple recipes. I, I believe that Pesach needs to be nice and, and beautiful, but it doesn't have to be crazy. Like there's no reason we need to make five layer desserts. Mm-hmm. Ice cream and mousse mm-hmm. is also nice. And right? cut, cut fruit is fine and, too, people. And so is cut fruit. And so <laughs> is all, yes, thank you. And it doesn't, it could be nice. It doesn't have to be crazy. That's not the mitzvah. Like it should be beautiful and we should use our nicest dishes and the Seder should feel like this is different. But let's like not kill ourselves. Mm. Like that five layer dessert. Yeah, it was the Lubavitcher Rebbe that said very often quoted, 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 quoted phrase that um, we have to remember that our children are not the Korban Pesach and neither are we. <laughs> the woman and the children are not the Korban Pesach people. This is not about sacrifice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I really, and that's what we're doing. We just take too much on, right. We're looking, you know, I always say like, go and stock up on Windex, right. Mm-hmm. We're not looking for every crumb. We're not just, if you see something you can't reach, like poison it till it's over. Like I just move on. Like we don't, we can't. Like, you're not going to start sitting there, like unscrewing your bookshelves because you think that somebody dropped it. Like, we have to be healthy, right? Yeah. We're supposed to get the comics out that we can access. Like, we can't go crazy. I mean, of course, it's a ton of work, but we have to just, you know, do the mitzvah, do it with a smile and pass that message to our children of like, I, I actually like making base stuff. It's kind of a challenge for me. Like, can I do it in five days? And the whole family knows, like, we're just in this together. <laughs> no, you, I, I do have those kids. I'll be honest with you. I have those kids that come to me like the day before Pesach and they'll be like, can we go to Target? <laughs> can we go bowling? <laughs> like, no, no, no. no. And it's okay. They're going to get that message that Pesach is different. I know we're not going bowling. <laughs> that's what, that's what Cholamon is for. <laughs> just wait a couple of days, guys. Cholamon's for arguing the whole day about not going bowling and then going bowling. <laughs> it's an added dimension. You know what? There's I wasn't I hadn't even thought of asking you this question, but Cholamon does present some challenges for some of us in terms of the constant cook, cooking. I mean, it depends. I guess some people eat, eat processed food. Some of us, I don't eat anything. So I find Cholamon actually to be more challenging than pre-Pesach because I have a system much like you and I don't 
I don't stress. We also take naps like before the Seder, like this is a rule by one o'clock. I'm done. Like I'm done. Whatever did not get done will get done after Yanta. Like there's no, I, I, there's certain things I put, the, but I do find that Cholamod with all the kids at home and we have to plan outings. And then there's the food for the outings and everybody's hungry. And it like, I find that I am not as ready. And perhaps it's because I'm too relaxed pre-Pesach. I haven't prepared enough. <laughs> No, I'd say, we'll tell you. I mean, there's two issues. Halamite is a challenge, okay? Because everybody's home and it's constantly like, either they're bored, right? Whenever they're hungry. They're hungry. Right? It's like the matzo wasn't, didn't cut it. Okay. So, like eggs. Can I fry you more eggs? Uh, you want a piece of chicken? <laughs> That's all I have, people. Yeah, it is real challenging. So one option is really to include that halamite prep in your meal. So when I'm making my menu, to not just make for the whole Pesach, but even to include that, that will help. Um, the other piece, like I love, even on Shabbos, like I'm always trying to make extras and whatever. So I do account for leftovers for at least, you know, one or two of those right. meals. So that's also, and you know, but I think that that planning yeah. is going to be helpful because when you get to Halamite and you're so like done already, like you don't want to look for food and you know, second days is coming and you didn't finish or you still have to at least make soup or another something. Right. It's a lot. And then you're like, I don't want to do this anymore. And it, like, we're just tired at that point. We're just tired. Right. So the more we can plan, right? Everything is better when you plan. So when I'm adding my meals, if I'm making my brisket and my chicken, so add some grilled chicken, right? And make that in advance. You could throw potatoes in it, whatever, in the oven. Mm-hmm. If you need. Even if you had a main to pull out, it just takes the stress off. Or even if you had like a special kugel that you guys eat on halamoid or whatever, but it's done in advance. Yeah. It's going to help. I'm also big on the crock pot and I'll like put it the night before or I'll put it the morning before we leave to the beach. And then, you know, I have everything ready for whatever food we need for the day. And then we come home and everything is ready and everybody can eat at four o'clock. And, you know, um, yeah, yeah. this is all super helpful. um, And, you know, um, I like (laughs) it more than your mother's system. I have to say I'm more with you. I, I can't even imagine being now already on Pesach. I'm like, but I will say it does beg the question. see, in this show, we like to talk about money. And so okay. going back to what you were saying before, you know, we start cleaning, we clean for two days, we cook for three days, but cooking for three days has all of this presupposes that we've done a lot of shopping, planning. There's a lot of expenses and things that we've planned for ahead of time in order for us to be able to do the five days. So for mo- and, and and honestly the shopping and the organizing of all those trips it takes time and it also takes money. So how do we reconcile this because really that part can be stressful for people. People need to be thinking about ordering their matzah right after Purim, ordering their wine. In some communities, we have to order our meat and our chickens already. Again, it all starts after Purim. So it does take mental energy, time, cash flow. How do we reconcile for this? Okay, well, there's two pieces. So even in part of the book, the beginning of the, you know, there is a whole section of the book of what we're doing now to prepare. Remember, it's not that we're not doing anything. I am ordering my meat in advance, but mm-hmm. it's stress-free preparation. And when I'm making my menus in advance and I'm looking at it and I'm ordering the meat and I'm doing all that, it, that does have to be done. You know, I, I will say something that I've been talking about a lot. And this is the last minute shopping trips because I am, I'm kind of, I wouldn't say I'm like cheap by nature, but I'm like very price conscious. And I, mm-hmm. I, I keep getting ripped off. Like what I know, I'm like, this is ridiculous. Like that's something that like eats me up, right? 
but I know I'll be going Pesach shopping or whatever. And I'm like, this is crazy. So a lot of times I'll be like, I don't need so many, right? I'll just take one when really I probably need two or three, but mm-hmm. I don't want to spend the money. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now what happens now I start cooking and I only bought one, whatever. Okay. I don't know. Lemon juice, vinegar. I want one vinegar. Okay. And I'm like, Oh, and then I'm in the middle and I'm like, okay, well, I don't have enough and I still need more. So mm-hmm. now I end up going to the supermarket last minute pricing while I'm there. I'm going to pick up 20 other items that I don't need. I'm going to end up spending more money on these last minute shopping trips because I don't want to spend the money in advance. Mm-hmm. Listen, it's hard making yantiv. I mean, it comes with the belief that we believe that everything is, you know, designated before whatever we're going to make it, we're going to make, we spend, and this, I always tell my kids within our means, mm-hmm. my kids are like, Oh, it's Rosh Chodesh. Let's have rib steak. And I'm like, no, no. Like within our means, right? It's yantiv. It should be nice. Whatever is nice for you. Mm-hmm. I'm not serving rack of lamb mm-hmm. for my all my meals. I'm just not. I that's not in my means. That's not what I'm used to. And for some people, that might be in their means. It's not for me. So it is hard and it's a lot, but at least buy the things you need, right? Spend the money on the fresh food. If you have extra potatoes, like don't make yourself crazy. Like sometimes it's okay. Like I've stored extra ingredients to next Pesach. I right. actually keep my spices. In a, zip, in a double Ziploc in the freezer all year, right? Some things I'm like, this doesn't make sense. If I, but I'm not going to buy less oil because I don't want to spend the money because those oils are making me, those kill me. I'm like literally a regular oil, right? It's like $3 during the year or whatever. And this is like this for like $6 and it like lasts for two cakes. And you're like, this is crazy. And that like is one thing. And I'm like, this is really, okay, but you know what? I'm going to buy it anyway. I can't cook without it. And if I have extra, I'll save it for next Pesach. Like it's not such a big deal. And we're so Sometimes we get like so cheap, like we don't want to do this. But at the end, we go to the store 12 times. And mm-hmm. every time we send ourselves or our, or our husbands or our kids to the store, trust me, they spend more because they come home like, oh, for sure. Notice, did you notice that? <laughs> Look what they have this year. And you're like, somehow, I don't think I saved any money by not buying that extra oil in advance. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, there's definitely... Um... I I know already from years past how much it's going to cost me. And so I know my budget, like I know how much I'm supposed to spend. And I know more or less what is allocated to wine, what's allocated to matzah, what's meat. Like, so I think also it's being con- con- conscious and what that's what you're saying. Be conscious of how much you need to spend depending on the size of your family and your income. And then you just use that benchmark going forward. I mean, but also be conscious of your time because your time is also, it's also valuable. And if you have to go to the supermarket 10 oh, times, no, that's also, you know what I mean? That, that, that that's how we end up all flustered and crazy scrambling at the end because we've gone back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. Um, so yeah, there is something to be said that the, the art, I think the art, the magic here happens when ahead of time, and you you alluded to this at the beginning, we do all this, this, the things that it can be fun, like order all the boys white shirts already after Purim, order the matzah, order this, and hopefully you've planned for cash flow. Because again, there's something else going back to the money. People think, oh, they need to come up with all this money like the week before Pesach. And I'm like, no, 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 no. You need to have your $2,500 ready to go a month in advance, at least like your cash, you're going to start depleting funds right after Purim. You got to start buying. Otherwise you're going to buy last minute. And if you don't have the money, you're going to get into debt. And then, you know, again, it's all a ball of stress, right? I do want to say something to like keeping up with the Schwartz's or whatever. Yeah. 
you know, I, I do feel like some of the things that we are trying to do, even just like, I look at the price of matzah, how it goes up every year. Like at some point, like there's things you need. And there's some things that gets like crazy. Like, do we need the thinnest, you know? And when we're getting our kids clothing, like also there are other options out there. It doesn't have to be, they don't have to have the exact shoe from the exact store and giving that over to your kids even earlier in life. Like I know our friends have that, but we might not. That's also okay. And if they're spending $1,400 on kids shoes and you decide you're going to do it in $500. How about $50? (laughs) How many kids? Like that's a choice that you're making, right? Or exactly like a pair of shoes. Like you could decide if you want to buy your three-year-old a hundred dollar pair of shoes. And if that's what's important to you, then that's what's important to you. But you're making a choice and people are like, oh, this is so expensive. It is expensive, but we have to make the choices that are in line with our family values. I couldn't have said it better. Yes. Seems like you've been hearing a lot of this podcast. <laughs> so Mayra, tell me, I, I understand that this project is not a revenue ma- and it's not a moneymaker for you. You decided all the pro- proceeds from the sales of the book should go straight to Oregon NCSY. What was behind that decision? Um, tell us a little bit about why you decided to do that. That's interesting. I don't, I've never, I don't think I've been asked that before. You know, when we were just, I really wanted, okay. I didn't know very much about writing books. I must, I don't even say I'm not a writer. Like I wrote the book, but I'm not a writer. I'm not one of these people that, you know, go around writing. I've never done that before. Just like a new, like, I'm trying to do that more, but it's not something that I am. I'm not a writer. So I knew nothing about publishing a book. And if you want to hear a crazy story, I had wrote yes. this book, I wrote the book and I actually contacted someone in town uh, who said that they would help me co- edit it for, for free. Cause we were doing this, you know, for, for Sadaka mm-hmm. and it basically it was like the day or the day after we finished the book, I got an email from Mosaica. Hi, do you want to write a book? And I was like, what? Like, this is just too weird. It was like, really like literally at that time, but I didn't understand how the books work. And really most people, when they write a book, they get them sponsored. Mm-hmm. If you notice at the beginning, there's all these pages, like it's all sponsored because when you sell them in the stores, everyone's taking a cut and a cut and a cut to the point that you're, it's not a really, it's not really profitable. It's not a moneymaker. Yeah. It's not a moneymaker. And I went in with no sponsor and I was like, here's our book. It's going to be huge. And they were like, okay, whatever, chill out. Like <laughs> books don't really sell. Like you get over yourself. And I was like, no, 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 this is, I'm telling you. Anyway, so it was kind of funny, but I, so we went in like that. So once I was like, oh, this can be a fundraiser. And then I was like, it's not going to be a fundraiser. And I, and at the end, I just said, you know what, let's do this. Let's hope it's gonna be a fundraiser. But I just felt, I, I don't know. It was like a lot of decisions at one time. So we ended up going in again. They, I came in, they were like, okay, so 500. And I was like, 10,000. And they were like, this was literally the conversation. They're like, no, 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 like, no. So we compromised somewhere in the middle, but it's very exciting. The book actually did go into second printing last minute. We ended up rushing and going to second printing, which is like very exciting. Nice. I, you know, a lot of organizations actually pre-ordered the book, giving you know, even to their shuls or their, for their auction, you know, all these different pieces. So like, it's been really nice, but I just, we ended up deciding it was, I don't know. It was like a risk. It was a little risky because they were like, oh, you don't really make money on this. And I was like, oh, I thought this would be a fundraiser. And at the end, I was just like, you know what? Let's just try it. And we did it for NCSY. And I don't take any money. I'm not going to like, if NCSY is putting up the money, then they're going to reap all the benefits. So it became a fundraiser and it's very exciting. And again, it's not it's not a major fundraiser because I learn now how this works, but I have a lot more experience now. <laughs> okay. Uh, but anyway, but it is a fundraiser. We did raise money 
and it's very exciting. But yeah, all the proceeds do go to uh, NCSY. And what's interesting is that people are always, the book is now on Amazon. Amazon kind of a little bit messed us over about, do they have it? Do they not have it? And we ended up going to second printing really because of Amazon. So anyway, to support NCSY at the highest level, it would be buying the book from oregon.ncsy.org slash Pesach book. Uh, but it is available now in a lot of stores in Brooklyn and like in Lakewood in the tri-state area. Are you looking for a career path that is flexible, satisfying, and well-paying? Do you have a knack for psychology, you're good with words, and you're fearless when it comes to tech? Digital marketing sounds cool? It is. And guess what? You can learn to build a digital marketing career without studying for four years, compromising on your values, or working for peanuts. Odeo Academy is the professional and comprehensive way for uber-smart creative women to move into the fun, fulfilling, and lucrative industry of digital marketing without going to college, drowning in debt, or leaving your home. Check it out at odeoacademy.com forward slash JLP, and be sure to use the code JLP at checkout to claim $100 off. But hurry, the next female cohort at Odeo Academy starts April 11. Odeo is O-D-E-O. Head over to odeoacademy.com forward slash JLP and enter the code JLP at checkout to receive $100 off your enrollment. Very, very cool. Now, Mayra, when you're not teaching people how to deal with Pesach and how not to stress about Pesach, you're an international speaker, you're a trained facilitator of the SIT method of creativity and innovation. I would love, and you're obviously, I, I don't think I've mentioned it before, but I'll say it, you're the director of Oregon's NCSY. Tell us about this SIT method. This is new to me. And is it at all connected with the way you teach us in the book? So what is this all about? Yeah. So I was introduced to SIT a few years ago. Okay. The idea behind SIT is that people think like, oh, I, that, that lady, she's so creative. And we used to think that creativity is like a gift. It's like mm -hmm. some people are just creative, but now research has actually shown that creativity is actually, it's a skill. It's not a gift. I mean, there are people that are more, ten they have more tendencies towards creativity, but anybody can learn the skill of creativity and innovation. And I was one of those people that like, I was pretty creative. Like I was like, oh, I don't really need this. I'm pretty good. Like I come up with pretty cool ideas. And then I read this book and ended up being trained by the authors of the book. And it is really, it is a, such a game changer. Not only do I know, I now know how to innovate on demand. I could like, but the best part is that challenges are exciting because- mm. I see, and I what the I think the biggest skill that SIT has, has taught me is taking every challenge and knowing that there's an opportunity in the challenge. Mm -hmm. Now I have the skills to find that opportunity. So it's been amazing. Okay. And that is what I'm teaching. But you know, there's two parts of it. There's really like number one is the effective brainstorming because a lot of people are wasting their time. Have you ever heard the expression think out of the box? Yeah. Yeah. Actually, that's actually not helpful because if you if you let's say you have a problem with one of your kids, your job or whatever. And you're like, Oh, think out of the box. You're like, well, what do I think about? Hmm. Right. If I tell someone to think out of the box, that doesn't help them what to think about. But if I say to you, right, imagine now you, you know, let's say you're having a problem with your, let's say a challenge in your job. Okay. And you're at, there's a marketing challenge and something. And I say, imagine you had no customers. 
And you're like, what? Well, why would I imagine that? Imagine that, right? What would be the benefits of not having any customers? Well, I would have so much time. I wouldn't have to deal with them. And I, you know, it was a great kind of, you know, <laughs> and then I'm like, well, who, what else could we do besides your, you know, let's say we didn't have customers. Who could we sub in for cost? What do you mean? Well, who else would need marketing services that aren't regular businesses? And then you start thinking, you're like, oh, I, I never thought about that. Let's say, yeah, let's say we didn't turn to people to hire us. Let's say we went to companies or maybe it was organizations or maybe it was, and then you start thinking in new ways. If I would have just said to you, let's think out of the box, right? You'd be like, you wouldn't get anywhere. But if I ask you specific questions that are going to focus you to think in a different way, you're actually going to really learn to think differently. So it's been this amazing process and people keep asking me, did you use it for the book? And I've actually gone back now to see, mm-hmm. uh, actually my, I blog every week and my most recent blog from this past week was how did I use this? How did I use the SIT method to create the book without even realizing it? So it was pretty cool just to go through that process, but it's actually, it's changed. I would tell you really my life because before, and this was, this is great. Okay. I used to, of course, if something was wrong, you would say, Baruch Hashem, it's meant to be, but now what? So now I could say, Baruch Hashem, it's meant to be. And I have, and now I have the tools and I'm able to look and say, okay, I have a challenge. I have five templates. Which should I pick? to be able to s- turn this into an opportunity. It's still right. a challenge. And that's key. Pesach in five days is still hard. Right. Not having clients is really hard. Not, but at least now I can find the benefits. And you know, I'll tell you, this year during COVID, I ended up our staff who had been here for about eight years, ended up having to move for personal reasons. And we found ourselves without staff. And I tried hiring and hiring and hiring. And August came and it was almost a school year. And I was like, I, I don't, I, what am I going to do? I don't have staff. I didn't have staff, but I asked myself, what are the benefits of not having staff? It's a key question in SIT. Mm. What are the benefits? I asked myself that, and we ended up hiring our staff virtually. Now, this is not office staff. This is our relationship staff. Wow. And all of our staff, they don't live in Oregon this year. And it's been amazing. They have accomplished things that we've never been able to accomplish. Now, is it the same? No. Are there challenges? Yes. Is it perfect? No, but there are so many opportunities that we found because we were able to, instead of dwelling on the challenge, we've moved on, we able to see the opportunities. We've gone so much farther because we weren't stuck. I think this is key. It's not the same and that's okay. Just know that, no, it's not going to be the same, but therein lies the opportunity. It's going to be different. And because it's going to be different, it's going to open the doors for things that you haven't done yet. You haven't achieved them because- it's, it has to be different. That's exactly it. It really isn't because we get, we're so, we have this fixed mindset. We talk a lot about fixedness and SIT. Like we're so stuck. It has to be, does it have to be to our staff have to live here? And until August, I would have said yes. Right. But it's, you know it's Oregon NCSY. What do you mean? Yeah. They're not in Oregon? <laughs> now I will tell you, if you ask me if I would do it again, I, I still want to hire in-person staff for this year. I do, but I, but if we have opportunities to hire outside staff to run certain programs, would I? Yeah. But I never would have gone there if I was so stuck because I would have sat in my office by myself for the whole year being like, well, I guess we, I, I guess it's me or I can't run programs or, but I was able to get past that, that question. What are the benefits? So the next time you want to go buy your shoes for Pesach and you're like, I can't afford it. What are the benefits of not being able to keep up with the Schwartzes? Oh, you mean I'm going to send my kids a message? You mean I'm going to be able to live in my means, right? And then you start thinking differently because 
if I would just be like, oh, you know, Baruch Hashem, Baruch Hashem is true, but now what do I, what do, I do with that? Mm-hmm. So this is going to get you even one step further. Like, no, there's an opportunity. There's a lesson here. There's something that's going to, it is for my good. And now I have the tools to know what it is. So it seems like we have to learn to ask better questions. Yes, because think again, yes, because thinking outside, think in different ways. If I tell you think differently, like uh, I, I don't how, right? But we have to ask the right questions. That's what SIT has taught me is, and that's what I do when I facilitate workshops or I come into an organization or I'm helping them, right? And it's like, they're sitting there and how many hours have you been? I've been in so many brainstorm meetings. I've been in ones in like Greenwich Village. We rented like a fancy Skyline apartment because we got to think innovatively. Mm-hmm. But when you look back, what innovations came out? It's not about being in a cool space. It's about not wasting your time in these big groups where one person's talking, taking over the crowd. Everyone else is listening. It's working in small groups with time limits. There's certain ways to facilitate brainstorming that's actually effective. Brainstorming sessions don't need to take five days or hours at a time and you leave it with a headache. They're short, they're focused, and you get stuff done. It's really amazing. And it's amazing. It's just like five days to Pesach. I mean, making Pesach in five days. Seriously. <laughs> so if you haven't learned about me, my pet peeve is probably wa- is wasting time. I'm very into time management organization. Not organized. Like I'm not a cleaner and I don't, I'm not neat per se, but I'm very into time management. Like I hate wasting time. That's like totally. So I guess it does kind of overflow into all areas of my life. Listen, keyword here, focus, focus, focus. This is what needs to get done now and nothing else is happening. <laughs> you imagine though, imagine if we were this focused in general, right? We wanted mm-hmm. to grow in this way Jewishly and we wanted to, and we just stay focused and we didn't get distracted, right? And imagine if we did that, if we just actually shut off our social media accounts during certain times so we could work, right? If we're not checking our emails, I'm totally always checking emails because I want my email to be like really clean. Okay. Right. But imagine if we were focused on what needed to get done, right? Mm-hmm. We shut off our WhatsApps during meetings. We weren't our own children, right? We weren't looking at our phones while we were talking to our own children. Imagine how the more we could focus on our other, on other people, on our growth, on ourselves. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. And therein also lies, aside from the productivity, it's just the tranquility. I think we lived very frazzled because we've, we've, we've lost the skill of focusing and, and really concentrating. (laughs) We're not, we're not tranquil. It just leaves people very agitated. Now, I'm really curious, how did you end up in this role as director of NCSY? So I'm from New York. Okay. I, I, will I tell couldn't you. tell by the accent. <laughs> okay. so my husband and I are from New York. And I will tell you that when we were on the plane to Portland, there, it's Oregon. The whole time you're like, Oregon. They're like, stop. So I'm on the plane and we're literally watching. You know, you go on a plane and they have like that screen where like you see the plane. How far. We were like, where, where is it? And I remember like going into the cell phone store. Okay. At the time it was like, I don't know, T-Mobile, like many years ago, we walk in and they were like, you even get cell phone service here in Idaho. And my husband and I looked at each other like, where, where are we? Idaho? Apparently it's the neighboring state. And we were like, literally, you know, from New York, you're like, you know, Oregon trail. Cause you played in like some computer game and you don't literally. So we, uh, we were living in Israel after we got married. We spent a few, five and a half years in Israel. And eventually I actually started catering then and doing, you know, a lot of different, I don't know. I'm kind of all, all over the place. So I was doing, all you know, you can't use that phrase. It doesn't go together with your name. You're focus, focus. You're not all over the place, but yes. <laughs> okay. I'm not all over the, I am all over the place, but I'm, I'm, 
I get my feet. Like I just kind of do a lot, you know, but not, not well. I'm like the general, what is it? The general, you know, like the general practitioner is supposed to the yeah. specialist one from the general, like do a lot of things. Uh, no, I'm not making, not joking about doctors, but anyway, so we moved to Portland and then right away we came to help start on coal here doing outreach. And right away I went to go visit the NCSY and it was actually amazing. I came there and there was about five or so kids sitting around in a Starbucks. And I was like, almost oh, amazing. Like, where is everyone? And they're like, we're here. This is it. This is us. So it actually, NCSY had been run in Portland by volunteers for the last few years. There wasn't an official anything. And I just said, I'm going to do this. And that actually, that literally that one interaction in that coffee shop changed the trajectory of my life because right away I felt the connection to the teens. And what's amazing is the teens from that coffee shop, many of them are actually now, they are actually filming. They moved back married to Portland and some of them live on our block. And it's really, it's just, we've come a long way. It's kind of like a full circle. That was about 15 years ago. So it's just amazing. And then my role over the years have really changed. Like I was doing the hands-on here of, and now I'm also more in like management and fundraising roles, just, you know, different things depending on the day. But I, I love my job. I really feel like I'm, you know, helping to bring meaning to teens. I mean, honestly, like we look ahead in the future and like if kids aren't connected, what are we going to have? Right. Right. Beautiful. Meira, let's do what I call JLP fill in the the blanks. And this is the part of the show where I'm going to give you an open ended sentence and you're going to finish it with the first thing that comes to mind. All right. This is this is like family feud right now. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think you're cut out for this. I'm not worried. Okay. I'm Meira Spivak and I feel most spiritual when? I feel most spiritual when I, I'm going to start again. I feel most spiritual when I, I'm a good mother or when I, when I know that I'm doing the right thing as a parent. Wow, parenting, that's so special. You know, I have to be honest, I don't think parenting came up ever in an answer, but I, I see how it is such a good answer. I see how important it is and how meaningful. I really appreciate that answer, and I'm surprised that it had never come up. It's Honestly, I think it's just one of my biggest challenges. So really? the opportunities are there, but it is very hard for me. I'm not the type of, I'm not the mother who sits on the floor with their children and plays, you know, neither I, am I. <laughs> I reach out to them and I do a lot, but it's just not my nature. So when I'm able to, when I go into Yom Kippur or I go into, and I'm like, I go to the Seder and I'm like, this has to be amazing. And when no one's going to yell and there's going to be no fighting, and we're going to smile the whole time as our kids are pouring grape juice on our laps. Mm-hmm. And I go in and I finish that, like, or when I'm doing it and I'm smiling and no matter how hard it is, like literally the more they're pouring the grape juice and they're spilling and the more I'm just like, like, I feel like I'm doing the right thing. That's really what empowers me. Yeah. goes back to what we said before. At the end of the day, it's supposed to be a joyous time. And if nothing else, like this needs to be our main objective, build happy homes. So if we're doing whatever we're doing, it's not contributing to the happiness of the home. We know we need to change it. Like that it's time to say, stop. It doesn't matter that Yantav is in three days. Uh, something's off kilter. What am I doing? That's not helping to further yeah. the happy environment of this household. <laughs> and we are responsible for it. That's it. That's it. My favorite mitzvah or one I connect with the most is I think here over Jewish outreach. Nice, nice. Did you grow up around outreach? Was this something that came from your family, your parents, or uh, your husband? Yeah, really. I grew up like I grew up just modern Orthodox in Queens, 
and now we're not really involved. We do have one story that I will not forget. We had, mm-hmm. we were hosting a, some sort of cure of Shabbaton and we were hosting a girl. And I just remember, I cannot, I tell this to my kids all the time. We had a girl over and when she, you say we, you mean your parents, my parents up. Thing, and mm-hmm. I was maybe like 10 or 12, I don't know. And a girl came over and slept at our house. I, I, maybe it was two girls, but I just remember this one girl and she came in the morning and she wanted Shabbos cereal and she wanted us to put Coke in it. And she said that her mother serves her Coca-Cola in her cereal. And we didn't want to. <laughs> and my mother was like, we're not, we're just not doing this. <laughs> she tried like screaming and running. It was like a whole, I was like, oh my goodness. So that's my experience. But I do remember, I want to tell you, even after that craziness, I did go to join them on Matzah Shabbos for their kumzits. Mm-hmm. That was amazing to me. And I think always those years, I love the NCSY, the singing, the kumzits, the ebbing. That's something that, you know, when you ask me what my favorite, the other question, I was going between parenting and like what makes me feel spiritual is being at these kumzits. So mm-hmm. interesting you're asking, but that first memory of like this girl, you know, wanting coconut or cereal to on Matzah Shabbos joining them for this inspirational, I think it was Jeff, this inspirational Shabbaton, mm-hmm. like the that's really, I think that probably stuck with me. And I also had gone to camp for many years and just love the singing and all that. Is your husband also involved in outreach and Jewish outreach? Yeah. So really, we, yeah. So we both came, I mean, we came to help start the call here and my husband, he used to be very involved with the teens also. Now he's really more focused on adult outreach, but we're both full-time outreach. Very nice. My fondest, sweetest Jewish memory is, you kind of said it already, but maybe there's something else. My fondest, sweetest Jewish memory. I would say, I'm going to lie. <laughs> <laughs> I never got that one before. <laughs> no, my really my favorite Jewish memory is being at, just being at the Kotel. Yeah. So that really is just being there every time. Just you go there and like, you know, you say like, you know, you're going to like, this is the place. And you just, I spent so many days in seminary connecting. And every time I go back to that connection. Wow. To that, That's very special. That my favorite, like that would be my happy place, which I never get, you know, I rarely get to go to, but when I go, it's like, so connected. You're so connected so fast right away. It's mm-hmm. like, <clears throat> that's like just amazing. You know, yeah. I was <laughs> I was gonna lie. I'm like, oh, I just love when like sitting at the table with all my kids screaming around me. But yeah. really, <laughs> really the 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 coats. Oh, it's really like the best. something I wish I had learned about Judaism growing up is that it's not all or nothing. You see, it, it's funny because like it is all or nothing. No, but no. no, we can't. We have to look at things as steps because we're all growing, and if we ha- just keep constantly like. I messed up and I yelled, or you're doing preparations for Pesach and I got stressed out. Okay, I'm going to apologize and I'm going to move on. And next time I'm going to try to set myself for more success that I'm not going to be as stressed out or that child who I just bickered at or something yelled at because I was short on, I was stressed. That one's going to need extra attention, mm-hmm. right? Like we mess up. Sheva Yipotzadik to come. Like we're not perfect. But that's what's going to make us into a tzaddik. It's the falling. We, we fall and we get up, right? We're always listening to this new Joey Newcomb song. You fall down, you get back up. My kids like literally walk around singing all day. And I'm like, this is what it is. Like, it's okay. You fall down, but you have just get back up and try again. Right. Right. When I give tzedakah, I like to give to? So I'm biased. I love to give to NCSY. <laughs> that it really is my, it's really my life passion. So wow. I'm always 
Yeah, we're so lucky to have you. Finally, I'm Mayra Spivak, and today I feel most grateful for. I feel most grateful for for today. I feel most greatly grateful that you know really that this book has taken off. I feel I've, it really helps a lot of people. People are emailing me and saying, "Thank you." Like, you know, a lot, a lot of times it's husbands being like, "I got this for my wife." <laughs> I bought my wife this book because you know no, but just people are saying like, thank you. Like we just needed to read this. And just a lot of people know this, right? It's not like I didn't say, I said anything that was like novel. It's like, don't stress or stress shorter. Like people get it. Right. But it's just a pr- like a process of like, do exactly this. Mm-hmm. It's going to be really smooth. Right. So I, I think just how people, people are just like, now, like I got it. Like, it's not just me saying this, this is a method. Other people are doing this. I can, I'm happy it's being receptive. It's like being accepted by people. Mayra Spivak, thank you so much. The book is available again, Oregon.ncsy. So we're going to make sure to get our hands on that book ASAP because we're short on time and apply all your tips and have a very, very happy Pesach and pre-Pesach. And thank you for doing this. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me here. Thanks to Mayra Spivak for stopping by. You can get the book on Amazon or on oregon.ncsy.org forward slash Pesach book. And all the proceeds go straight to Oregon's NCSY. So not only do you help yourself, but you help a Jewish organization who does so much for our teens. Thanks for being here. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on iTunes and go ahead and leave that review. It really takes a minute and helps get the podcast in the hands of more Jewish women because that is the way that iTunes knows to put the show in the eyes of people searching for content on their platform. So yes, reviews are super, super important for iTunes. And speaking of iTunes, if you want to hear the scoop on the new podcast that is in the works, head over to jewishlatinprincess.com forward slash vote. And I spill the beans there somewhat. And I ask you to vote on a name and more. So this would be super helpful. Again, thanks to everybody who just jumped in last week after I announced it um, via email. My feedback has been incredible. And so I'm giving everybody here on the show, obviously, if you didn't hear about it in my social media or my email, I'm letting you know now that I really want your opinion. So I'm definitely leaving the survey open till Friday. And of course, everybody who takes a few minutes to fill that out and wants to, I will be sending you a Starbucks gift card. I hope you're having a wonderful week. Thanks for listening to Jewish Latin Princess Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe on iTunes, leave a rating and share the podcast with the Jewish women you love. To access today's show notes, ask Yael a question, or suggest a uniquely talented Jewish woman to be featured on the show, visit jewishlatinprincess.com.